It's a Friday night. Don't want a single. Don't want a double. Don't want a triple. Poured myself a quadruple. It's been that kind of week. Oh, that is stiff. Welcome to the show called Soups on Hockey. I am Tyler Campbell. I'm just kidding. I am not a robot, but I had you. Oh, I had you. Want to hear how fun my life is? It's Friday night. I just poured myself a quadruple shot of whiskey. I'm not manly enough to not do it, to have it without mix. I need mix. So good old Pepsi Zero. And a quadruple shot of whiskey. Watching the 2011 NFL Draft on YouTube. Junior's crashed. He went for a big big walk earlier. Had a big day. A couple pig's ears. He spent. Now he's looking at me like, what the fuck am I talking about? It's been a hell of a week. I remember last time I did a podcast was last week. And I was super pumped to do my fantasy football auction. Then the fantasy football auction came. And anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Which kind of summed up last week in general. And now I'm, I'm to the point where I'm kind of laughing about this stuff, but this is actually no joke. Is because last week, every single thing in my life that possibly could have went wrong did go wrong. This week, a lot of... Uh, Anxiety attacks in the middle of the night. A lot of depression. Because that's usually what follows. And it's, it's for nothing. But you look back and it's like, oh, it's probably because everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. So every time you wake up, you're expecting anything or everything will go wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff. Boy, you don't get too many hockey podcasts that lead with mental health talk. Not legitimately, anyway. Maybe like once in January, promoting Bell Let's Talk. And, ah, we got to keep this going here around, and by day two, it's forgotten. Until someone offs themselves, and then it's, oh, yeah, no, yeah, we got to keep the conversation going. Uh-huh. Yep. You you definitely mean it this time. Oh, that's stiff. By the way, this is my first drink of the night. I, I probably should have thought that through better, where <laughs> I'm talking about my mental health issues that I've had during the week, and then, uh, which, by the way, they're not, 
I've had far worse. I should point that out. I've had far worse. And I'm fine now. Well, for the most part, I'm fine now. Um, no, this is the first drink of the night. This is more so, hey, it's a Friday night and I'm wired. I should probably have something that, you know, can help me sleep a little bit. Because I haven't been sleeping well all week. Uh, I don't I, I don't recommend uh, drinking to help yourself sleep. But once in a while, you know, you got to have something that takes the edge off a little bit. And that's what I'm doing. Junior's doing the same thing. He's having a bully stick. That's how puppies settle down. As they crush a bully stick while dad's crushing a whiskey. Oh, he made some friends today when we were out for our big dub. Whoo! He is beloved in this neighborhood. Absolutely beloved. If I had any game, boy, could he be a chick magnet. But I don't have much game. <laughs> oh, that's not a good thing, is it? What's up? What's up? Did I say that part yet? Welcome to the show. I'm Tyler Campbell. This is Soups on Hockey. Did I say that part yet? Maybe I didn't. I still don't have notes. Sat down to record this earlier today. Um, didn't have notes. I was really jumping all over the place because I legitimately didn't know what I wanted to do. I still don't really know what I want to do for a show. Um, thinking out loud, I talk JT Miller signing. I'm going to talk a lot of football. I'm going to talk a little baseball. And I might get back to hockey, um, looking at some prognostications that I might do and looking at some, maybe some bets. Maybe I'll go on Sports Interaction. Sponsorship! Sports Interaction, guys. Hello! I've pimped you on this podcast before. I want my money. By the way, I went 3-0. First college football Saturday. Last weekend. That was good. That was the only thing that went right all of last week. The only thing. Oh my fuck did Saturday turn into a disaster. I won't get into it, but... Let's just say I no longer have a home security system. Let's just say that the auction took about three hours longer than it should have. And that I had to, myself and the co-commissioner, had to re-enter most of the players who were drafted. Whew. Quadruple ain't enough. Anybody see the CM Punk press conference the other night, by the way? I know most of you aren't wrestling fans, but holy shit. Like, unless that is the best work ever by a wrestling organization. <laughs> Holy fuck. Said this for years, man. Wrestling behind the scenes is the most fascinating business ever. That's why their documentaries are so good. Did everybody watch all the A&E documentaries on WWE this summer? Kurt Angle Doc, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, period. Not even including wrestling. Edge Doc, fantastic. Lex Luger, fantastic. WrestleMania 1, eh. Eh, it was, it was okay. It was good, just wasn't as good as some of the other ones. Undertaker Doc, fantastic. Did you know his real name's Mark Calloway? Who knew? Who knew such a thing? I thought his real name was Under. Last name Taker. Uh-huh. 
first name macho, last name man. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if I can do a macho man impression that, like I used to be able to do. Good gourd. Speaking out or thinking out loud. We are coming up on the 30th anniversary next month. 30-year anniversary of Bret Hart winning the title in Saskatoon. I was there. Got my picture taken with Owen Hart, Dave Boy Smith, and Virgil that night. I don't know if I got my picture taken with Coco Beware or not. I know I could have. So he was Owen Hart's tag team partner. But, uh, yeah. Whew. 30 years. Same day as uh, the Jays lost to the A's in Game 5 of the ALCS. I remember it bothered me to no end that couldn't be watching it as we drove to Saskatoon. And I was kind of pumped the Jays lost because I wanted to see them win it. Then got home from school two days later, got to see them win it. Juan Guzman on the mound. Candy Maldonado catching the final out. Jays are going to the World Series. In my little head, I thought, yeah, there's no chance against Atlanta. Atlanta's so good. They got the tomahawk chop. You can't compete with that. We slap-chopped them motherfuckers in six games. And that was before the slap-chop. Hi, it's Vince with slap-chop. I don't know if I can do a Vince. All over the place. That whiskey might be kicking in quicker than I thought it was going to. JT Miller. Let's get at it. JT Miller. Um, I don't know why this took so long. Now that I heard the aftermath of Elliot Friedman coming out and saying after he signed the deal that, you know, Vancouver didn't want to do it and then all of a sudden they wanted to do it. And that was the holdup the entire time. It wasn't that JT Miller didn't want to sign in Vancouver. He just wanted a number and the Canucks didn't want it, didn't want it, didn't want it. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, we want it. What, did you look at the market? Like the best comp. Out of any comp out there was Thomas Hurdle. Hurdle got eight times eight. Logan Couture before that, eight times eight. Like, that's the going rate for second line centers. That is the going rate. And especially Hurdle, similar size, eight months younger. Like, oh my God, the Tennessee Titans took Jake Locker. Whew! Didn't see that one coming. I thought Blaine Gabbert was going to be the first off the board in this quarterback-rich draft. Or second off the board, sorry. Cam Newton was first. What a draft for QBs. Bit of an underachiever went one. Huge disappointment. Second off the board in Locker. Huge disappointment in Gabbert. I think he went third off the board. Was Christian Ponder the fourth QB to go? Kaepernick went in this draft. Ugh, like, yeah. Yeah. Better have some of that whiskey again. Mm. But yeah, Jake Locker played his college ball at Washington, which is the Pacific Northwest, where Vancouver is. And Vancouver signed JT Miller to this deal. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not understanding why. I really am not. It would have made more sense to me if Miller would have kind of caved and been like, you know what, it's a good situation here in Vancouver. I'll take the deal. No, no, it was Vancouver was saying, nope, we can't pay that. 
And then all of a sudden, yeah, okay, we can pay that. And I saw someone on Twitter say, well, it's because of the Cadre and Huberto deals. No, that's that's the going rate for second-line centers. That shouldn't. I'm not saying that didn't impact it for Vancouver, but that shouldn't have. Cadre got actually a little bit less than I thought Cadre would get. Because, again, I thought Cadre would get $8 million a year. It's just what all the second-line centers are getting. Thomas Hurdle got eight times eight. Logan Couture years ago got eight times eight. Nick Suzuki, eight times eight. Robert Thomas, eight times eight. Josh Norris, eight times eight. Second line centers, eight times eight. Sounds like a song. <laughs> like it's just the way it is. The Cowboys took Tyron Smith in this spot. It was between Smith and J.J. Watt. Boy, you talk about where you couldn't have gone wrong. They were deciding for all the shit that the Cowboys get, and deservedly so. Like, that's... You know, and I'm looking at the other names on the board. There's there's less names. It's not like it was obvious that it was J.J. Watt or Tyron Smith. But no matter which way they went, they were going with a Hall of Famer. Not bad. Not bad. The next year, I think, is when they traded up to take Morris Claiborne. Ooh. Yeah, not only should you not have traded up, you shouldn't have taken Morris Claiborne. The 2012 NFL Draft, fun fact, maybe the biggest bust of a draft that we've ever seen. And what, you know, for most people, bust is just not, you know, not living up, or sorry, not being anything. It's just simply not being anything. But to me, a bust is looking like can't miss. Like Ryan Leaf is a, was a bust. Ironic cuz I absolutely adore Ryan Leaf these days. But Ryan and he'd be the first to say it. Ryan Leaf was a bust. You know, I don't view Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert as bust, not because they went lower in the draft though they were both top 10. But they were both huge they they both had huge warts coming out to begin with. Those were more desperate picks that went wrong or that didn't pan out than they busted. The 2012 draft in the, in the NHL, that wasn't a bust of a draft going into it by the time it got to drafting. Now, a year out, it looked amazing. But going into the draft, it was clear. Like this year's draft, the 2022 draft, when guys don't pan out from this draft, I won't call it a bust. It'll be like, yeah, well, you know, not much was expected of it. The 2012 NFL draft was expected to be amazing, incredible. I don't know if it was supposed to have the depth, but it was supposed to have the high-end talent. That top six of that draft, I remember, was so hyped. Andrew Luck. Robert Griffin III, Trent Richardson, Matt Khalil. Oh, can I do it all off? With? Justin Blackman, Morris Claiborne. Ha! Mark Barron at seven for those of you wanting more. 
That top six was supposed to be incredible. All Hall of Fame talent, much like the 1989 draft where four of the top five picks were Hall of Famers. Anyway, JT Miller. Ooh, the rabbit holes. When I don't have notes, I jump all over the place. I might flow a little bit better, but I jump all over the place. I just, I, I, I don't, by the way, I don't love it for Vancouver. I don't hate it for Vancouver. I don't love it for JT Miller. I don't hate it for JT Miller. It's just that that's the going rate for that guy. And it stunned me that Friedman basically said in the aftermath that the Canucks didn't know that that was the going rate. Like, essentially, he didn't say those terms by any means, but it's essentially what he was saying. Yeah, who knew? I don't know. Anyone who pays attention to the market? Like, Jimmy, I know you're fucking 70-something, but come on. That's another situation, by the way. Oh, Patrick Alvin signed a good day. Shut up. It's Jim Rutherford. Shut up. We know this, and yet we still go, "Eh, Patrick Alvin's the GM. Shut up. Shut up. Oh, that's stiff. Where you going, Bubba? Looks like he wants to jump up into Dad's spot on the sectional with his bully stick. He is not taking his bully stick. He is jumping up into Dad's spot in the sectional, giving me a dirty look as he curls up. I'm sorry. The, The masses are wanting me to speak. I shouldn't have used that word because you know what that word means. Three and zero college football last weekend. Woo, motherfucker! So should I do NFL bets? I used to do NFL bets on the blog on the website. They're still on there. You can go look. There were some down years, but most of the time I was picking over 60%. I think there was one year, I want to say 2012 maybe, where for a large portion of the season I was 70%. And I ended up like 62, but I was scorching hot for a lot of the season. Let's do this because I know, and and don't use these. These are just for fun, okay? Okay. These are just for fun. We're just we're just having a good time here, huh? Just having a good time. Oh, got to type in the password on sports interaction. Keep me logged in. Yes. Oh, we're in. Oh, we're not. I must have changed the email that I use. <laughs> or the password. Sex Machine 69. Sorry, that's not it. Save. Sex Machine 6969 at hotmail.com. Who didn't have that as their original email address? All right, here we go. I'm just jumping right into it. By the way, did anybody watch? The Thursday nighter, of course, you can't answer, so why am I asking? I don't have a team 
But if I ever had a team, like the first team I truly had a soft spot for were the Bills. Because when I first started watching a little bit of football, it was, I think the first NFL game I watched was Super Bowl 27. I was aware of it in 25-26, so by the time I saw Super Bowl 27, I was well aware that the Bills had lost two, two Super Bowls already and were possibly going to lose a third. So I wanted the Bills, because I'm a good person, so I wanted to see the Bills have success. They did not, especially in Super Bowl 27 where they got routed badly. 52-17, I want to say. Would have been the worst beatdown in Super Bowl history had Leon Lett simply just ran the ball into the end zone instead of trying to showboat. So I got a bit of a soft spot for the Bills. Pretty big one, like more than any other team. I got a soft spot for the Packers. Um, I got, you know, I'm the type of guy, I always say this about the Leafs. I like to see the historical powers be be great. So the Leafs and the Habs and the NHL, obviously. Um, You know, I hate the Yankees and MLB, but I won't deny MLB is better when the Yankees are power. Uh, So in the NFL, I want to see the Raiders be good. I want to see the Cowboys be good. Um, you know, obviously the Packers fall under that umbrella too. I want to see the Steelers be good. I like seeing the Browns good, and that's obviously, you know, insert joke here. Basically hasn't happened in 20 years. But the Bills, if, if there was a team, and they're not really my team, but if there was a team, it's the Bills, and especially right now, because I like teams that are well-run. And the Bills aren't just good. They're one of the most well-run teams in sports, most well-run organizations in sports right now, which is incredible given, and hey, Kim Pagula's going through health problems right now. It's not to make light of what's going on with the Pagulas, but... It's a fact. The Buffalo Sabres have been one of the worst-run pro sports franchises since they bought them, and yet the Bills, they've turned them into one of the best-run. It's amazing. It's It probably isn't a coincidence that Terry Pagula, that the Sabres were his passion, and it didn't seem like he had the same passion for the Bills. What does that mean? Well... Possible, don't know this, but possible, Terry Pagula meddles with the Sabres much more than he, you know, he's probably a lot more hands-off with the Bills. Possible, I don't know. Anyway, rambling now. Let's do some picks. Um, Oh, I guess I was just going to say, like, I I love that game on Thursday night for the Bills. I hated it from the standpoint I had the over 52.5. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. I won three. Bet in college football last weekend. I lost one that I bet more on, but I still came out ahead. Um, okay. I, I didn't go through these, so I'm just going to... I'll punt if I don't have a strong feeling. Um, like, <laughs> like this game. This is the first one up. Ravens and Jets. Normally, I would say, and you're going to see this is going to be the theme, I like big dogs on opening weekend because every team has something to play for right now. 
So everybody's giving their best. Well, especially the underdog teams. Where some of the heavier favorites, like the Ravens, it's not nearly as big of a game as this is for the Jets. The Jets, this is likely their Super Bowl. The Ravens, this is a game on Sunday. This is the first of 17. But the Jets don't have Zach Wilson. The Jets, who else did they lose? Was it their starting... Was someone on the old line Now I've got to look it up because I sound like such an asshole. This is why you have notes, children. This is why you have notes. So you don't make this mistake. Someone else is out, though. Why am I blanking on who else is out? Oh, well, not just Becton. Dwayne Brown, that's who it was. Dwayne Brown's out. Zach Wilson's out. I know Joe Flacco, former Raven, probably the biggest game, probably the biggest start Joe Flacco is going to have the rest of his career. This is the last big start for Joe Flacco, likely. Oh, that's stiff. Um, That's what she said. I like the Ravens. The Ravens are minus six and a half. I like the Ravens. Now, that's not minus 110. That's minus 113 on Sports Interaction, but I still like the Ravens. I just, I can't see this Jets defense giving Lamar Jackson too big of a problem, and I can't see the Jets putting up points. So I think it's a low-scoring game. The over-under is 44. Um, I'd probably take the under if I had to pick it. Um, I'm not going to, but the line at minus 6.5 for the Ravens, I I like that. I could see it being like a 24-10 game. Cleveland, Carolina. This one's, come on. Carolina at one point were underdogs. Now it's even money, though the Panthers... It's showing as minus 112, so they're slight favorites. Again, the over-under, this one 42. I'd probably go under. I, I Cleveland's not going to move the ball, I don't think, with Jacoby Brissett. And the Panthers, Baker Mayfield's not good enough to tear up this Cleveland defense in my mind. Plus, this Cleveland defense might have added motivation going against Baker Mayfield. But the Panthers are at home. They've got a clear advantage at quarterback. Um... I I just think this is a Panthers win. It might be a close win, but it's even odds right now, technically. You know, it's a pick 'em. I would I would probably even look for the alternative number of maybe minus one and a half for the Panthers and take that. I just can't see the Browns doing anything in this game. You know, it sucks for Browns fans, but until Deshaun Watson gets back, it's not looking good. Um, 
Colts-Texans. This is one of those games I was talking about. I love the big underdogs. Houston getting seven points at home again. For the Colts, this is a Sunday game at Houston. For the Houston Texans, this is their Super Bowl. Plus seven is at plus 105 right now on Sports Interaction as I record this. Take that. And as I will always say with NFL bets, well, I'll say with bets in general, it might not win, but it's the smart play. It's where the smart money should lie. I know people look at this Colts. Hey, I'm one of them. I think the Colts are getting really underrated going into this season. I think Matt Ryan's going to be that big of an upgrade on Carson Wentz. I was a huge Carson Wentz guy going into last season. And when I saw Frank Wright couldn't make him work, I'm like, this guy's a fucking bust. There's that term again. This time I mean it because I thought Carson Wentz was going to be amazing. Over, under... 45 and a half. I don't know if I'm feeling that either way. Um, I prob. Uh, I just I wouldn't touch it. That's that's a good line. That's a good over under line right there. I don't think I would touch it. You could. That's a coin flip. Uh, Jacksonville at Washington. Jags are two-and-a-half-point dogs. Take the Jags. I know it's the Jags. I know it's one of those teams that every year we say, okay, they're going to get a little bit better at least this year, and they never do. They're playing Washington. They're playing the guy that I just talked about hating in Carson Wentz. I don't think the Jags are going to be that much better or they're going to be a whole lot better. I don't like Doug Peterson, but Doug Peterson's a clear-cut, upgraded head coach over Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence is going to be better. They spent a shit ton of money in free agency this offseason. You know, they got whether the free agent signings were good or not, it's a very obvious up roster upgrade. In general, the roster, you can't deny it's upgraded. Don't confuse how the offseason went with what the roster is. You know, people do that when I talk about the Flames. People want to do that with the Flames right now. They're so blown away by what Brad Treliving was able to do slash salvage, even though it was a horrible business decision. Uh, <laughs> they were so blown away by that that they've totally lost focus on the fact that the Flames, are they better? Maybe. But are they going to have the insane injury luck they had last season? No. No team in the history of the league might have ever have that kind of injury luck. Don't get blown away by the offseason. The Jags spent a ton of money. I don't think a lot of people viewed it as good money spent, but the fact of the matter is the roster is upgraded. Don't lose sight of that. Jags, even though they're on the road, getting two and a half. I like that. I would take the Jags outright. Over under 44, no feel on that, just like the Colts and Texans. I just... You know, brand new head coach on one sideline, brand new quarterback on the other. 
two competent defenses. Can't say where that's going. New England at Miami. The Pats are getting three and a half. (laughs) Look. I know the Pats aren't what they used to be. I know the Dolphins give the Pats a lot of trouble. I know that. But the Pats are three and a half point dogs. What was a playoff? I know the Pats looked awful in preseason. It's still Bill Belichick. They've got a good quarterback in Mac Jones. Tua is still the Dolphins quarterback. Oh, but they added Tyreek Hill. Uh Uh-huh, and he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. He doesn't even have a quarterback who can hit him deep. Tyreek Hill might be a total bust of a pickup, not because of Tyreek Hill's talents, but because of the lack thereof of Tua Tonga-Viola's talents. Smart money, to me, says take the Pats getting three and a half. Over under, another one where I just don't have a feel. It's at 46. More of the money, according to Sports Interaction, is on the under. I don't have a feel on that. In those scenarios, I would probably take the over just because you're getting a little more value. You know, minus 107 compared to minus 113. But... Man, how many people out there right now are tuned in, downloaded this, whatever you want to call it. Peyton Hillis is making the pick for the Browns here. Huh. How many people downloaded this thinking, hey, we're going to get a hockey podcast. And yeah, no, soups on hockey is soups on NFL because it's NFL Sunday. And there's not much going on in the hockey world right now. What do you want me to talk about? Informal skates? Like, what the fuck? Zach Aston Reese signing an ATO or a PTO, sorry, with... Uh, with the Leafs? Good PTO, by the way. Can't believe that Zach Aston Reese had to sign a PTO. Oh, that's stiff. Have I said that's what she... Oh, yeah, I did. Anthony Costanzo picked by the Colts. Without a doubt, that guy is going to be blocking for Peyton Manning for years to come. What neck injury? Saints Falcons. This is one bet that I really love this week. Falcons at home getting five and a half. Love it. Really love it. I'll tell you why. Marcus Mariota is not a good NFL quarterback. But Marcus Mariota, for a few weeks, can cause teams problems. I don't believe that the Saints got the type of defense that can shut down or that are scary for an opposing quarterback. Let's put it that way. Again, this is like the Falcons Super Bowl. The Saints aren't 
big favorites or anything to make the playoffs. But the Saints are on paper a much better team than the Falcons. Falcons aren't going to be good this year. This is as big as it gets for the Falcons. At home, facing probably their biggest rival. The Bucks might be a bigger rival at the moment just because of Brady. But yeah, I like the Falcons five and a half. Eagles and Lions. Lions are getting five points. Love the Lions. Again, big home underdogs. Super Bowl game for the Lions. Not that big of a game for the Eagles. The Lions got talent. I'm not the biggest Jared Goff fan, but that roster is getting really good. I'm not sure the quarterback discrepancy is that wide in this game. That doesn't mean that Jalen Hurts is terrible. That doesn't mean that Jared Goff is that good. It means that both guys are at the bottom end of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. They're both starters, but they're towards the bottom of the league. So I like the Lions at plus five, minus 107 on that line too right now. Over-under, 48.5. Oh, by the way, 43 is the over-under for Falcon Saints. I'd probably take the over on that one. 48.5 for Eagles-Lions. I'd probably take the under. Because, again, I don't love either quarterback. Um, Steelers-Bengals. I'd probably say the Steelers. Plus 6.5. I think the Bengals' preseason hype is is fair, which it's nobody's got them going back to the Super Bowl. Hardly anybody does, but they've massively upgraded. You know, they had I think fifty million to spend uh, in free agency last year. I can't remember what they spent, but I know they upgraded the O line significantly. So now Joe, Joe Burrow's got time. Imagine that he was a one of the best quarterbacks without time. Imagine now that he's got it, what he's going to do. But the Steelers are going to be a bitch to play. I don't think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, but I think the Steelers are going to be a bitch to play. I think the Bengals win, but I think it's a tight game all the way. Over under 44 and a half, I would go over. I would go over on that. Little surprised at that line. Um, That seems low for Joe Burrow, and Mitch Trubisky can move the chains. He's not horrible. Again, he, to me, falls in that hurts Goff category. Mariota, like these guys aren't good quarterbacks, but they're not, and I'm not even saying you can win with them, but they're not, they shouldn't be backups either. I mean... There's guys that are going to have to be the 30th, 31st, and 32nd ranked quarterbacks in the league, right? Starting quarterbacks. Um, 49, I say um way too much on these podcasts. Um, 49ers, Bears. Bears are getting seven. Oh, this happened last year with the Niners when they went into Detroit. And I bet on the Lions. I can't remember how that bet ended up going. 
I know it either won or it looked really good for most of the game. I can't remember what happened. But again, it's that monster home underdog. The Bears are getting seven. You know, like... To me, that just... That's just way too many points to be given them. On opening weekend, at home, one of the biggest games of the year. Like, we don't know what Justin Fields is going to be yet. We think we know, but we don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. I can't remember what that's from. Over under 40 and a half, take the over. That's just too low of number for me. But yeah, I like the Bears plus seven. Little worse than even money right now. Uh, minus 111, just a shade less. Green Bay, Minnesota. Minnesota, plus one and a half at home. Yep. Packers feel like a mess right now. It's, it's just, it just does not have a good feeling where the Vikings feel like they've got a lot of momentum entering the season. New coach. Kirk Cousins could be revitalized at least early. Um, I like the over in this game. The over is 46 and a half. That's probably the, out of all the over-unders I've looked at so far, that's probably the one I like the most. You're indoors, Aaron Rodgers, expecting a lot out of Cousins this season. I like the over in this game a lot. And I like the Vikings plus one and a half. Uh, That's minus 115, so it's not even money, but still. Chiefs and Cardinals. (sighs) Chiefs are minus six. Yeah, do I trust Kyler Murray without DeAndre Hopkins? Like, the Cardinals at plus six is plus 100. But I got to be honest, this feels like one of those games that is going to stun people. I think a lot of us are expecting, and I'm one of them, I expect a huge bounce back from the Chiefs this season. But that doesn't mean it has to happen week one. The Chiefs got a lot of new personnel they got to break in. Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Joe Fortson, you know, maybe Ronald Jones. They got a lot of new guys on offense that they've got to work in. I think Kyler Murray keeps this close. I think the Chiefs win, but I think this is close. And again, I'm going to default to my strategy week one, which is home underdog, big underdog at home, take that team. And at plus 100, yeah, plus six, take the cards. The over-under is 53 and a half. I think you got to take the over. I know that's a big number, but it's the Chiefs. You just, it's the Chiefs indoors. Take that. Don't bet against the Chiefs indoors going over. Unless they don't have an O-line like in uh, the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Raiders-Chargers, a rematch of the Week 18 Classic last year. And wow, was that a classic. The Raiders are getting three and a half. It's a tough one. The, <sighs> I feel like the Chargers are getting overlooked a little bit this year. They had the most money going into free agency last year. They've massively upgraded. They were already a really good team with Justin Herbert at QB. 
But three and a half. And the one thing you have to remember with the Raiders and Chargers in L.A., that's going to be like a home game for the Raiders. The Chargers do not have the following in L.A. that the Raiders have at this point. At worst, it's going to be a 50-50 crowd. I think I don't have a feel for this game either way. But if you have to bet it, I think the smart money is on the Raiders getting three and a half. That's my uneducated pick on that. Uh, Over under 52, take the over. Indoors, two great quarterbacks, take the over on that. Giants-Titans. Another late game on Sunday. Only got three left here for you non-NFL fans. So what are we at here? We are... We are... Fox Sports. Uh, we're at 45 minutes right now. Fast forward to the 50-minute mark of the podcast, and you should be good. Um, Giants-Titans. Giants are going to suck this year. Titans are probably going to be a little bit better than people are expecting. You know, the Titans left such a sour taste in everyone's mouth off that playoff game. They should have beaten the Bengals. That was pathetic. But the fact of the matter remains that the Titans still have one of the best rosters in the league. And Ryan Tannehill, again, like Jared Goff, like Mark, Marcus Mariota, like Jalen Hurts, he's not terrible. In fact, I'd probably put Tannehill a little bit ahead of those guys. I wouldn't put Daniel Jones ahead of those guys. I don't like Daniel Jones. I really don't. Yeah, it's five and a half feels like a big number for week one, but I would take the Titans. Over under 44, I'd go under. It's not a good... I hope nobody's actually using these. (laughs) This is just me looking at the lines more than anything. Oh, someone's going to use these and lose a ton of money and come and hunt me down. Oh, God. Yeah, whatever. I've had a good run. I've had four shots of whiskey in one glass tonight that I've barely even put a dent in. Oh, motherfucker. People say I shouldn't swear on this podcast, and they are fucking right. Sunday nighter, Bucks and Cowboys. Bucks minus two and a half. Take it. Do you trust the Cowboys? I don't trust the Cowboys. Over under 50 and a half. For some reason, games in Dallas, those primetime games in Dallas, always seem to be massive shootouts. That doesn't mean this one will be. Smart money, though. Take the over 50 and a half. Bucks minus two and a half, over under 50 and a half. I know I don't I don't love the Bucks coming into this season, but in this one game, I love the Bucks far more than the Cowboys. No Tyron Smith. Um, I don't like Dak Prescott that much. I like Dak Prescott, but I don't eh, he was terrible without Armani Cooper. He was horrible without Cooper. Last season, that is. Now they've traded him. I'm a huge CeeDee Lamb fan. I have him in my fantasy league that two weeks ago I was raving about. Now I want to kill just about everybody in it. Maybe that's a little extreme. But there's a lot of guys in the league I'm not happy with right now. 
Anyway, moving on. That's simply put. Bucks minus two and a half, over under, over 50 and a half. The Monday Nighter, last one. Here we go. Broncos at Seahawks. Let's ride. I can't decide if I like or despise Russell Wilson. Like, I just, I can't get a good feel for it. On one hand, I absolutely love him because I think he is actually a genuinely very good person. And I ha- I hated those Seahawks teams that he started with, the Richard Sherman teams. I-, I hated those teams so much. They were such a douchey team. But I always really liked Russell Wilson. He was the one guy who I was in on. And I respected those teams. That defense was amazing when on Adderall. Uh, but... Just, I couldn't stand them. Rematch, speaking of those teams, rematch of Super Bowl 48, I think, is what it was. Yeah, because 49 was when Russ got picked off at the goal line by Malcolm Butler, and 50 was when the Broncos won their last Super Bowl with Peyton Manning at the helm. Broncos are... Yes, the Broncos are minus six and a half. I had to double check that. Uh, (laughs) I know what my rule's been this entire time. It's funny, though, that I'm bookending this by taking the same bet. And that is the, the road dog getting or giving up six and a half. Or the road favorite, sorry, giving up six and a half. I think the Seahawks are such a mess. And I think the Broncos are going to really thrive with Russ as a starting quarterback. Let's ride. So I'm going to ride, quote-unquote, with the Broncos minus 6.5. I think Russ goes back to Seattle. I think he is going to be amazing in this game. He's going to really stick it to the Seahawks in my opinion, whether it's a hate thing or just a pride thing. I don't know. But he's, he's going to stick to the Seahawks. The Seahawks starting quarterback is Geno Smith. Do you know how fucking embarrassing that is? Like that's... Geno Smith is a backup. Now, in fairness to Geno Smith, he was the type of talent that should have been brought along super slowly, and he wasn't. The Jets rushed him in when he was clearly a project. But he's not... Maybe he's gotten better these years on the bench for the Seahawks, but, I mean, we saw him last year. He wasn't anything decent. This Broncos team is loaded. Minus six and a half. Take the Broncos. Trying to stretch this out for those who I said skip ahead 50 minutes. Just about done. Over under 44. I don't have a good feel for it. I I would say take the over. Because I could see the Broncos really putting it up. I could see the Broncos putting up about 38 on their own. Like, would that surprise anyone? 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos did that. 38-10, like that, that just, kind of, that's the kind of game I see happening. That's just me. But anyway, enough NFL talk for one evening. On to MLB, because this is Soups on Hockey. The only reason I want to talk just a shade of MLB, just a shade, just a hint of it. Jays won in Texas, as I'm recording this tonight, 4-3. to The Yankees lost again. I don't know if these standings are current. Like, oh, they are. Oh, they are. The Yankees are only three and a half up on Tampa, and it's Tampa they're playing. Like, two left with Tampa this weekend. (laughs) Jays are five back, and the Jays are hopefully heating up. Every time I think the Jays are heating up this season, they don't. They got Gosman going tomorrow, though, or today when you're listening to this. Might even be two weeks from now. Hopefully, Gosman's going again when you're listening to this. So I'm not wrong. I don't like being wrong. Barrios is 10 and 5. Man, they're like 10 and, a, 10 and 5 with a 523 ERA. What are you in the steroid era? <laughs> like. That is the stat line you would see in the steroid era. 10 and 5 with a 523 ERA. And some idiot would probably say, look at that, 10 wins. That deserves some sort of Cy Young vote. Wins matter. Never forget in the steroid era. You'd have pitchers with like 550 ERAs and they'd get praise as workhorses and innings eaters. And I'd be sitting there saying, what? I don't care that this guy can go an extra inning every outing. He sucks. I can't think of who it was specifically. I know Kevin Millwood got that rep late in his career when he was shitty. And I would just be like, who cares? What does eating innings matter when you suck? It's like, you know, in hockey when guys say, ah, that defense and he eats up a lot of minutes. Uh Uh-huh. And he gets eaten alive when he's out there. I'll never forget Oilers fans back in the hockey's future days, towards the end of it for me. Uh, One of the last things, this might have been the last thing I got into on hockey's futures, other than promoting podcasts or blogs. Because I've done that. But I remember the 2012 trade deadline. had to think about it for a second. When the Oilers traded Gilbert for Schultz. Now, like in hindsight, I don't understand why the Oilers did that trade. But I will say Tom Gilbert was expendable. You know, there wasn't, why they didn't trade him for something that was a legitimate need, I don't know. But where they were as a hockey club, I felt like it was a good time to max out on Tom Gilbert. His game had been declining. 
He still had a couple years left on his deal. Maybe like yeah, one one more after that season, maybe. Let's see. Oh, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So he had two years left because he had a six-year deal after the 08 season. I remember thinking it was a good time to trade him, but why the fuck did they trade him for Nick Schultz? So anyway, I was it, that was still when I had blind faith in the Oilers and thought they knew what they were doing. Uh So I was trying to make the argument. I just lost my train of thought as I'm watching Mike Singletary and have his famous speech when he was a 49ers coach. Can't win with him. I made the case for Nick Schultz, and I'll never forget one of the more prominent posters on there, and I can't for the life of me remember what his name was on there. But I remember, and it's not a guy, I don't think he's on Twitter, or if he is, he's not using the same name. He wouldn't have any of it from not only me, but anyone telling him that it was a good trade. He just kept saying, who's replacing Tom Gilbert's minutes? Tom Gilbert plays a ton of minutes. They're not getting those minutes back. Minutes, 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 minutes. It's like, Gilbert sucks Balls. Do you not watch him play? Just because the coach is giving him a ton of minutes doesn't mean he's good. In all likelihood, it means the coaching is terrible. Now, in fairness, Tom Rennie got the shit end of the stick from the Edmonton Oilers and got replaced by a used car salesman in Ralph Kruger. Nah, that's that's not fair. I think Kruger's genuine, but I oh, Kruger has everyone fooled, well, the media anyway, into thinking he's a good head coach. He ain't. But I'll just never forget that. Man, the rabbit holes I go down, even when I stay somewhat on target, when I stay somewhat organized. What else did I want to do? Do I do bets or do I do far too early? Either of these I'm going to end up doing again. If I do bets, I'm going to be legitimately just looking through sports interaction, trying to find futures bets that I like. And I clicked on it anyway to see what we have. (laughs) Outright Stanley Cup winners. This is interesting. The Oilers at plus 1551. You know what I like doing with this one? I like I like going for the just taking the team that legitimately has a chance to win, but they're the worst odds on the board. That's it. Like there's nothing there's nothing fancy about the way I bet or I use this bet cuz I've bet it once or twice. Like in the in the bubble year, 2021. I think the worst odds of a team that I legitimately could have seen winning the cup that year were the Jets. And don't think it didn't cross my mind when they swept Edmonton that, hoo-hoo, here we go, motherfuckers. 
And then they got swept by Montreal. Thanks a lot, Mark Shifley. Ooh, that's a stiff whiskey. Yeah. I There's a lot less teams this season. I would maybe say Vancouver at plus 42.57. But can you trust Bruce Boudreaux in the playoffs? Like, they've got the goaltending. They've got the center depth. I think they'll be okay on defense. You know, they still have some surgery left to do on the on the blue line. But the Blues at 22.51. But do you trust Jordan Bennington? Outside of, you know, getting in the playoffs last year, you know, he had been just going down, 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 down since they won the Cup. And even the year they won the Cup, if you remember that run, his play wasn't as good in the playoffs as it was in the regular season, but they were riding such a tidal wave of momentum, it didn't really play in. He was good enough for four games each series. That's probably the one on the board that... Uh, interesting Nashville, plus 44-68. Now, do I think Nashville can win the Cup? No. But they traded for Ryan McDonough. Why does that matter? Ryan McDonough's not going to move the needle that much for them. But that's a sign that David Poyle has changed his mindset and is back to thinking, hey, we can win. And so if a big name pops available and they go out and get him because, hey, we can win, you've got UC Soros in net. You've got a very good blue line. The question, I guess, becomes who is the big name that might pop available? Yeah. Can't think of one. That's interesting, though. That's that's if you wanted to go long shot, that's interesting. Plus 44.68. This is to outright win the cup. The favorites in order, Colorado plus 405, Toronto plus 813. This is on Sports Interaction, by the way. Florida plus 916. Awful bet. Awful. <laughs> Terrible odds on Florida. Tam- How have they got better odds than Tampa? And I don't think Tampa's going back. But do you motherfuckers realize who Florida's goaltenders are? And they downgraded their roster. How in the hell? Well, they added Matt Kachuk. Uh-huh. Have you seen Matt Kachuk's playoff performances? Awful. Like, big myth in the NHL world these days. Matt Kachuk, playoff warrior. Nope. Matt Kachuk, playoff bust. Yep. Tampa shouldn't be worse odds than Toronto either, but I take less issue with that. Carolina shouldn't have worse odds than either. In my opinion, Carolina should have the second best odds, or second worst odds. Calgary's got better odds right now than Edmonton. Cute. (laughs) 
Edmonton upgrades. Well, yeah, but they won McDavid. Calgary stays the same. Oh my God, Brad Tree Living's amazing. And they'll have the same injury luck this season. Woo! Shut up. Shut up. Vegas plus 1600. They got no goaltending unless Aiden Hill's amazing. Famous last words. I'm not seeing much of a dog that I like. If I had to pick best odds on the board at, at this point, it's not, it's really not very good. But Carolina plus 1059, probably the best, like the best bang for your buck. Um, you know, again, St. Louis plus twenty two fifty one is is okay, is interesting anyway. And uh, Vancouver plus forty two fifty seven. I think you know what I like to do with these bets. I throw five bucks on them. That's how I won Adam Fox. I think it was what plus three eighty when he won the Norris. I threw five bucks on him, won three hundred bucks, whatever it was. 350, yeah, 350, so it must have been plus 350, anyway, something like that. Can't remember what the odds were, but I won, I turned five bucks into 350 on Adam Fox, okay, how's that? (sighs) Get off my back. I've had a bad week last week. And then Nashville, plus 4468, like those are, those are probably the ones that jump out the most to me. I don't love any of them, but... Yeah, the Rocket, uh, again, same thing. Like, if I'm picking my preseason prognostications, Austin Matthews will be my pick for the Rocket. It's just, he's the new Ovechkin, throw money on him. I do like looking at other guys, obviously, for, you know, bigger odds. Here's one that's interesting. Line A at plus 4071. Why is that interesting? He has Johnny Goudreau, one of the best setup men in the league. That is a bet that I really like. And I'm doing this off the cuff. I did not go into this, but I'm just looking at it now, and it's like, wow, he's like 20th on this board. Let's see, one, two, three, four, <laughs> six, seven, so it's 15, so 16th. I think he's 16th on this board. Like, he should not have the 16th best odds when he is one of the most naturally gifted goal scorers in the league and they've added an elite playmaker for him. Because I got to think, in that situation with Columbus, where I'm not expecting him to be very good, they load up that top line of Goudreau. They have Goudreau play with line A. And I have to think, too... That was part of the pitch for Johnny Goudreau going to Columbus is, hey, we'll make sure you play nonstop with Pat Line. Is there any other odds lower on the board that I like? I'll tell you one that jumps out a little bit to me is Vlad Tarasenko plus, and this is long odds, plus 12,700. And why does that jump out to me is because it's his contract year. Jack Eichel at plus (laughs) 15,200 is interesting. 
I could say 15,200, but I'm not going to. Huberto's down in that range, but he doesn't score. He only is a playmaker, so I can't see that happening. Like, it has to be a guy that I can make the case for. A couple of years ago, I would have been saying, one of these years, Andrei Svechnikov's going to pop. Yeah, I kind of think he is what he is. Um, Mangiapani at 12,700. Is he playing with Huberto all season? If he's playing with Huberto all, Huberto all season, then he might have a chance. But that line A1, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I'm really shocked that it, that's not that long of odds, but I think he has a big year. Or I, I can at least make the case for it, right? McDavid's got better odds or worse odds right now than Ovechkin. McDavid's paying out plus 763, where Ovechkin's 1018. Huh. I really like that line, I bet. And then if I had to pick one of the longer odds, I think Eichel. Eichel's getting a little bit forgotten here. If... Yeah, can Mark Stone stay healthy? That's that's the big question. Eastern Conference, outright. Again, we're going for a good bet here. Not, not what's probably going to happen. If I had to pick an Eastern Conference winner today, well, you know what? Ironically, in this, in this scenario, the team that I like to come out of the East this season is the same team that I like for odds. The fourth worst odds in the East belong to the team. Now, it's not much of a difference. Toronto is slightly ahead of Florida, who's slightly ahead of Tampa, who's slightly ahead of Carolina. I like Carolina. Carolina's plus 564. Is there a super long shot that I could go with? I'll give you one. The Islanders plus 1820. I know Barry Trotz isn't there anymore. But that switch to Lane Lambert for one season, don't sleep on that team. What was it, a 13-game road trip to start last season? Followed by getting COVID? That was a nightmare. That team's going to be a bitch to play in the playoffs again. You watch. Out of all the long, long shots to win the East, I like the Islanders. But that's one of those where I I won't bet on them to win the Cup. You know, they'll have crazy odds to win the Cup, right? What are they to win the Cup? Uh, Plus 30-77. But I don't see them being any more than a Cinderella run. And the thing about a Cinderella run is the clock strikes midnight when you get to the final. Look at any Cinderella team. Montreal, Dallas, uh, Vegas, Nashville. Nashville wasn't much of one, but they kind of were. Um, The Rangers kind of were in 2014. Uh, Jersey, even though L.A. was the eighth seed that year, Jersey was a Cinderella team in 2012. 
You know, the Oilers in 06, the Flames in 04, the Ducks in 03. It just, the clock always strikes midnight on those teams. In the West, outright. Again, it's hilarious that the Flames are getting better odds. It's not that the Flames can't do it, but come on. (laughs) I know I'm saying this as an Oilers fan, but the Flames don't scare me. Like, I don't think the Flames scare anyone. Are they going to be another... Are they going to be a good regular season team again this season? Yeah, probably. Can they have everything go right health-wise again? No. Did we forget that this very similar roster two years ago missed the playoffs? Remember, Daryl Sutter was there for half of that season. They still missed. Like... The, the Flames hype, I know I talk about it every show, but it's just out of hand. And there's nothing to fall back on. Every year, oh my God, I love the Flames. Never forget, the first year that I noticed it, 2019. And to the media's credit, they were right and I was wrong until the playoffs hit. And then the playoffs hit and they were a joke. They were the worst one seed I have ever seen in my life. Dusted in five, got blown out in two of the four losses. Like, blown out. One of the other losses, they were hammered in terms of possession. They squeaked it to OT thanks to Mike Smith. But they were destroyed five on five. Absolutely destroyed that game. That's it. That was the most lopsided. I know you get sweeps of eights V1s. That year, we got Columbus sweeping, sweeping Tampa. But Columbus goalied Tampa. They weren't, they weren't beating. You know, they, it was one goal games, and it was, you know, Tampa was dominating possession. Like, they were pretty fluky wins by Columbus. That happens. Calgary got destroyed when they were the one seed in 2019. Then going into 2020, oh, they're so good again. They're so good again. Well, they, they were struggling to be a playoff team when the pandemic hit. And then 2021, yeah, they'll probably win the Canadian division. It's them or Toronto. And they missed the playoffs, just like they did in 2018, just like they did in 2016 when they got the same kind of hype. Going into the playoffs in 2017, they were everybody's hot, sexy pick, whatever you want to call it. Oh, I like Calgary. Calgary's coming in hot. Calgary hadn't beat a starting goaltender. Calgary hadn't beaten a start a fresh starting goaltender, a fresh number one goaltender that season since November. That is a stat that I have written somewhere that I actually found myself and started making its way. I think I sent it to Wood Guy on Twitter, and he went to air with it with uh, Low Tide. They hadn't beaten a fresh number one goaltender. In other words, not on a back-to-back. Since November. No, sorry. I, I, that's a little bit wrong. It's not really wrong. But uh, they hadn't beaten a team playing their number one goaltender when they weren't on a back-to-back. Sorry. My bad. Anyway, the point was, Calgary going into the 2017 playoffs was so overrated. What happened? They got swept. I remember it was bold of me to say Ducks in five, and I was wrong the other way. (laughs) 
Because everyone was saying, this is going to be a war. And oh, Calgary's going to upset the Ducks. No. There's just, there's this love in for Calgary. The, the image of Calgary in the national media is Edmonton is just horrible because they're so poorly run and they did it the wrong way. And Calgary's done it the right way. And they've worked hard for everything they've got. Shut up. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Enough with the made-up narratives. You're adults working in the media. Shut up. Go see a fucking psychologist and work this shit out. God. I, I swear, as someone who's gone to a shrink for seven years now, apparently, like, I'm extremely self-aware, and that's this great thing, and I don't agree with Dean when he says that, because <laughs> when you're self-aware, you know all your flaws, and <laughs> it's horrible. Like, I wish I was one of those people who didn't realize how terrible he was. <laughs> like... Eh, I won't say it. Other people who, most other people who do podcasts. I at least know mine sucks. And actually I don't, but I'm sure to most people it does. Which is fine. Um, there's that word again. Yeah, they, the media in general are the least self-aware people I've ever seen in my life. And you know what ends up happening? The guys in the media who are the most self-aware, those are the ones I guarantee you who are my favorites. I guarantee you Chris Cuthbert, one of the most self-aware people. I know Pete Lubardius, one of the most self-aware people. I bet Elliot Friedman is one of the most self-aware people you've ever met. I guarantee you some of the people you hate the most are the least self-aware people. Guaranteed. I bet Damien Cox, not anything self-aware. Steve Simmons, not anything self-aware. Mark Spector, not anything self-aware. Anyway. We've done football, baseball, and now psychology. Interesting. Western Conference outright. Where are we at for time here? I don't want to take up too much of everyone's time. Plus, it's almost 11 o'clock. Got to get Junior to bed. Gotta watch more NFL draft coverage. Don't even know what happened in the 2011 draft. I hope there was a shit ton of pro bowlers to come out of it. By the way, if you're a hockey fan, you don't love J.J. Watt. Something's wrong with you. You're not self-aware, probably. That's a you problem. Who are the odds that I like the best in the West? Best in the West. <laughs> that rhymes. Been watching some of the old Simpsons lately. There's only, really only like three seasons of it that I love. Now looking back, maybe four. Which is crazy because they've done what, 33? Oof. Anaheim? No. If 
it has to be a team that can possibly hit. St. Louis probably plus 13-16 is probably the best odds. Because here's the thing. If Jordan Bennington is what he was at the end or in the playoffs last year until Kadri hurt him, if that's what the Blues are getting again with Jordan Bennington, they're winning the West. Like, without a doubt, that team is winning the West if they're getting that kind of goaltending. So, yeah, I'd probably go with that. Atlantic Division, who will actually win? I think Toronto actually wins. They're the, the worst odds, plus 205. Um, division's always interesting because you can get the surprise team. You know what? Like, winning the division in the regular season is a lot different animal than going anywhere in the playoffs. Ottawa is plus 25-91 to win the division. Now, don't get me wrong, that's an insane long shot. But the blue line looks pretty good. They've got Cam Talbot in net now. They look like they've got a quality number two guy with Anton Forsberg. They're dramatically improved up front. I don't believe they've improved to the extent that the media is jerking off to them about, but no doubt they're improved. Getting that, those big of odds, I like that. I would probably throw five bucks on that myself. Now, will it happen? Highly, highly, highly unlikely. But as far as a smart $5 bet, because you throw 5 bucks on the Leafs, it's not paying anything. Plus 205. Eh, congratulations. You can go get a steak dinner for yourself. Maybe. Depends where you go. Central, Colorado's minus 159. See, that's horrible. If you ever bet, and I know Colorado's the favorite in that division. If you bet that, you're a fucking idiot. It's not paying anything. And Colorado coming off the cup, motherfucker, they're not going to be worried about winning the division. That team doesn't give a shit about winning the division. They don't give a shit about home ice. Nashville, plus 13-23. That's interesting. Because Nashville... Possible. I'd say you want me to pick the division winner right now? I'd probably pick Minnesota. Plus 415. As far as the division, and again, don't confuse division regular season winner. Why do I like Minnesota in this spot? Because Minnesota takes the, the regular season more serious than a heart attack. Minnesota's Stanley Cup is making the playoffs, getting home ice, getting Mr. Leopold as much money as they can get him. It's not winning the Cup. Minnesota, if I, when I do my prognostications, I'm probably going to take the Wild to win the division because they'll give far more of a fuck about it than Colorado will. Metro... I wouldn't pick the Islanders in this spot because the Islanders aren't going to be a regular season beast. 
If I had to pick someone who's got tremendous odds, I don't like any of these teams and their payouts except for another Ottawa-type pick, Jersey, plus 2251. Will Jersey win the division? Highly unlikely. But what happens if Jersey gets goaltending this year? Two years ago, Mackenzie Blackwood was on Team Canada's radar. He had one bad season. He bounces back. Vanacek's good. Jersey could do some things. Now, if I had to pick a team, Carolina plus 201, but that's not paying much. If I'm picking a division winner, I'm picking Carolina. If I'm betting a division winner, I'd probably bet Jersey. I like those odds. Pacific Division, if I'm picking a division winner, I'm picking Calgary because the regular season means far more to Calgary than it does to any other team in the division. If I'm betting it, Vancouver at plus 1064, hello, that's the pick. This is a Bruce Boudreaux coach team with goaltending. Motherfucker, hammer that number. And by hammer it, I mean maybe put 20 bucks down on it. Don't hammer it more than that. That's enough now. That's enough of the hammering. You've hammered more than you should already. Easy on the hammer. That's the best. I am doing this as we're going along here. That is the best bet of the regular season. That is one of my favorites. That's right there with Patrick Line. So we have established two things that I love doing these bets tonight, looking at these numbers. Patrick Line to win the Rocket, Vancouver to win the Pacific. Love Vancouver. Plus 1064, are you kidding me? LA, for example, is plus 470. LA's not better than Vancouver right now. They're not. Vegas isn't better than Vancouver right now. Why? Because Vancouver has goaltending. LA has suspect goaltending. Vegas, as we know right now, has no goaltending. I might like Vancouver right now for the regular season better than I like Calgary. Seriously, that is a fantastic bet. Whew. Yeah, I'll be hitting that one before the before the season begins. Better be hitting that one quick, actually. Okay, I've had enough. Has this filled your soups on hockey? Has this filled your podcast quota for one night? For one for one download? What did I say last time? Are you not entertained? You fucking better be. I'm exhausted. I had a hard week two weeks ago. I have mental health issues. My mom passed away. My dog passed away. Me and my girlfriend of six years split up. You should fucking feel sorry for me. If you don't, shame on you. You're a horrible person. Because all you're doing is sitting there listening to this and expecting more out of me. Shame. For shame. I'm just kidding. I don't like to guilt people. 
But that's exactly what that was. Okay, Junior wants to go to bed. I want to go to bed because I'm an old man and it's 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, sorry in English, on a Friday night. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this whiskey and I'm going to go to bed. Soup's on hockey. I'm Tyler Campbell. We will catch you next time, motherfuckers.